Welcome to the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast, brought to you by GuitarZoom.com. If you want to improve your guitar playing, keep listening. If you want to improve even faster, go to GuitarZoom.com, where you'll find all of Steve's premium courses, masterclasses, and memberships that'll help you quickly and easily improve your playing. Now, here's your host, Steve Stein. Watch out for the YouTube police. That's true. YouTube <laughs> cops come rolling in, shut us down. Yeah. How are you, Steve Stein? I am good, Dan. How are you? Good. Hey, I'm Dan Denley, uh, founder of GuitarZoom.com. This is my good friend, Steve Stein. How are you? Hello, everybody. Yes. Thank you for being here, guys. Really appreciate you showing up to today's acoustic guitar workshop. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about using a capo. And um, if you want to learn how to use a capo, keep watching. If you want to learn how to do it even faster and everything else related to acoustic guitar, you might want to check out Steve's brand new course called Acoustic Guitar. It's available at guitarzoom.com. Everything we're talking about today, guys, we put in a nice tidy playlist for you in the acoustic guitar playlist, which will be available for you on the YouTube channel, which is Steve Stein. Uh, YouTube channel or the Guitar Zoom YouTube channel. Uh, you might also check it out at the Guitar Zoom Songs channel. We have a song channel there you can subscribe to. Make sure you subscribe and hit the notification button if you want to get notified of every time we do one of these sessions for you. And uh, again, everything we're talking about in these acoustic guitar workshops is related to Steve's new course, Acoustic Guitar by Steve Stein, available at Guitar Zoom. How are you, sir? I am good. How are you? Good. Good. I'm excited to be doing another one of these sessions with you. Highlight of my day. What are we going to learn today about capos? Well, first of all, I know there's people out there that don't really understand what a capo is and how it works. And then there's other people that have a misconception of a guitar capo. So I thought it might be a really good conversation just to get out of the way of talking about the capo. So really what the capo is, if you think about the guitar, the capo just acts like this, this white piece here is called the nut. And basically, if you think about the guitar, that's where the strings end, right? So if you play a D chord, okay, you play a D chord with a, a space in between, one fret right there in between, or an A chord, for instance, you've got a space in between, and then you've got the nut. So basically, what we want to do is we want to be able to take any of the chords that we're learning how to play and move them up the guitar. But in order to move them up, if you think about my playing a D chord, for instance, I'm pressing on the first, second, and third strings but I'm playing the bottom four. So I have an open string right here. So if I just start moving up, the sound of the chord's gonna get a little weird. I can hear part of the chord moving up in pitch because my fingers are moving up, but the, the, the part of the chord that uses the open strings isn't going anywhere. So what the capo does is it allows you to take that nut right there, the beginning of the guitar, and move it wherever you want. So if you think about it, if I was to take the capo here and press it or place it on the first fret, I'm going to just take a look here. Basically what I'm doing is just going right next to the actual fret wire. I'm just kind of placing the, the, the capo, clamp it down right next to that fret wire. I don't want to clamp it on the fret wire, and I don't want to clamp it way back here. I just want to get kind of close to it, okay? Just like that. 
Now what happens is that D chord no longer would be at the second and third frets. I would have to move it up one fret, but now it's actually going to sound um, like a D chord. It's going to sound like a, a real chord or a C chord or a G chord or whatever it is I'd like to play. I can move it up wherever I want to the third fret, play a D or a C or a G. And what you're going to hear is every time I move it up, the guitar essentially is shrinking because these frets become useless. So the more I move it up, the higher the pitches get, and of course the more it's going to sound more like a, a ukulele or something as I keep going. So really, what is the purpose of the capo? Well, the, the first thing that we think about is the fact that we can keep the open chords that we're learning intact. So if you learn how to play Sweet Home Alabama, right, you, and you want the... And you want to be able to do all the licks and things that you normally do. You don't want to, to have to play it as like a bar chord or something. You want to keep it intact. It's just in a bad key, right? And this happens, one of the, the biggest places that I found myself using a capo, and I'm more of a rock guitar player, so I didn't use a capo a lot other than maybe a song that I was learning that had a capo. But I found it very useful when I was doing weddings. And the reason is, is because... You know, I might be learning a song that the bride and the groom want for their wedding, and then the, the, the bride's maid of honor or whatever is going to sing it, right? And she's from wherever, not around here, okay? So it's the morning of the wedding. I've learned the song as I normally would in the actual album key, the way it's supposed to be played, all that sort of thing. She gets off the airplane and shows up for the wedding, and she has learned it off some karaoke track or whatever it might be. And now here we are, right? I've learned it in a different key. She's learned it in a different key. Now, there's no doubt that I could revamp my chords and learn it in a different key, but maybe the song really needs to be in a certain key because of the fingering that I'm using with the chords or, or whatever. The, the, I mean, there's a million different scenarios. So a really mm -hmm. easy thing for me to do is just to listen to her sing it, and then what I do is I start kind of figuring out where... Okay, so that's how it goes. So she's singing. I don't want her to change anything. Okay, this she doesn't do this. This isn't her livelihood necessarily. And even if it is, her voice can only sing so high and so low comfortably. I can make the a, a, adjustments. Mm -hmm. So I'm listening to her and I'm still a little low, right? So I move it up a little more. Now that fits. That's where she's singing it right now. So I don't have to... to freak myself out on the day of the wedding either because if you've never played weddings and funerals they are the most they are the the, the most stressful things you could ever play playing in front of 10,000 people whatever playing at a wedding or a funeral are are really stressful because those days are extremely important to a very small group of people and everything's being recorded and this is going to be their memory for the rest of their lives you don't want to make mistakes so i don't want to have to revamp what i've practiced in my brain i just want to play it and, you know, make it memorable for them. So now I can play it the way I normally play it. I'm just in a different key now because of the capo. And I found the key that works for her. And notice how that really is two things. I was able to change the key by playing exactly what I was doing before. That's number one. And number two, the reason was to accommodate possibly another musician.
or the situation I find myself in. So that's a really valid reason why. So number one is, is how does the capo work? Well, all I'm doing is clamping it on and it's moving the key that I want to play in. So I started off playing free fallen, right? However you like to play it. However you like to play that. But Tom Petty uses it at the third fret. Okay, that's what key he plays it in. So if I was gonna sing it, either I can sing in the same relative pitch as Tom Petty, or maybe I need to, to move that up or move it down to find what works best for me if I'm going to sing it, okay? Which kind of brings me to my second point. There's kind of a misconception with capos that the reason people use capos is because they're not talented enough to learn all their chords. I guarantee you Tom Petty is more than talented enough to learn all of his <laughs> chords, okay? A amongst Eric Clapton and a million other guitar players out there that have used capos. That doesn't mean, my third point we'll get to, that we use a capo to make things easier for us. We certainly can, okay? But the nice thing about the capo is, is we might have learned a certain way of doing something, and we want to retain that. What I love about open chords is they're punchy, right? Bar chords don't have that. Bar chords have their own kind of sound. Open chords have this rock and roll kind of sound to them, right? This this open rawness. And when you change everything into bar chords, when you're trying to, to move it into a different key, and again, you have to know what bar chords are, but if you change them into bar chords, it loses that rawness. So if I wanted to play free fallen, I want to keep that open. I want that bite of those open chords. I just might have to move it down for me to sing it. Right? But I want to kind of retain the, the original integrity of the sound of that song. Mm -hmm. So for me, the capo isn't, you're not using the capo because you don't know how to play other chords. You're using the capo because you're trying to keep that open chord, you're trying to retain that open chord rawness. Mm -hmm. Okay? So number one, you're changing the key. Number two, you're retaining that open chord or maintaining that open chord rawness, that sound. Okay. Now I got a couple more things, but is there anything you want to interject in there, Dan? No, I, um, I just have a question at the end and I don't want to interrupt you. Go ahead. Okay. So the third thing then is that sometimes what we wind up, and this is where the beginners come in. Oftentimes I come across a, a what I try and do as a guitar teacher is inspire students to want to practice. So they might come in with a song that they really want to learn. They're really excited about. Okay, but they don't know all their chords. They don't know all their bar chords and all their open chords. They just know a few chords, right? So they come in and the song that they want to learn how to play actually winds up being in the key of F sharp. So it uses F sharp and B and C sharp or something like that. Well, okay, it's their fifth lesson, right? They're not ready for those bar chords. And even if they were, we have to go through a whole conversation of bar chords before I can ever get them to the song that they want to learn. Okay, I want them to enjoy the experience right now. Mm. So what I do is I look at those chords and think, okay, so F sharp, B, and C sharp. What could I do with those? Okay, um, and again, you have to have some experience with using a capo to be able to do this. I'm just explaining to you why a capo can be beneficial. If you're enjoying this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, go to guitarzoom.com and consider becoming a premium member. 
There are three memberships to choose from. VIP, which gives you instant access to a library of short but powerful courses as well as new bite-sized lessons each month. There's also Play Songs that gives you step-by-step lessons so you can learn to play your favorite songs fast. And finally, there's Masterclass, university-level training on everything from soloing to music theory, from blues to home recording. For more info about these memberships and all the premium courses available to you, go to guitarzoom.com. Now back to the podcast. So what I do is I think about that and go, okay, well, I could play F sharp there. And then I could play B there and C sharp there. Okay. Now it looks like a D, no doubt about it. This looks like a G. Absolutely. This looks like an A for sure. But because I'm in a different key as a result of this capo, this actually is that chord one octave higher. So if I have this student that's just learned how to play D, G, and A, but the song they wanted isn't in the key of D, it's in the key of F sharp, I, as a guitar teacher that knows some of these things, think to myself, okay, I want to teach them that song. I want them to be motivated. So I figure it out here. And now they can go home and they can play the song. Mm. So I've changed the key. I've changed the chord structure, right? From the original, however the original person, but the reason I did it was to benefit the student, to make it easier for them to play. Totally makes sense. Yeah. I've never thought of that before. Yeah. So that's really the third reason. And this is what I do a lot is, you know, like every once in a while locally here where I live, I'll teach a guitar class. I do it once or twice a year. And I love to teach classes. Number one, it keeps my chops up for teaching people in person. But number two, I love experiencing people going, wow, that was super cool, right? <laughs> and and virtually, you don't always get to see that. So during the class, it's an eight-week class, I always end it with the last few classes. They tell me what they want to learn. They give me a list of songs that they like. And then I turn around and teach them something off their list. But this is what I have to do because they don't know in eight weeks, they don't know all their chords. They only know a handful of chords. But I want them to be able to leave the class with something that they wanted to learn. So this is where this comes in really handy. It's just I have to be, you know, I have to have the the capability of being able to do the math in my head of which chords and with the capo and that sort of thing. So the last reason kind of reflects on the first thing I said is sometimes you want to turn your song into a different instrument like a ukulele or something like that. So again, it's because of the open chords and the uniqueness of open chords, I can get all of those sounds. When I play a bar chord, all my fingers are busy. I can't be doing all these little noodly things with my fingers. With open chords, I can do all that kind of stuff. But because I'm all the way up here on the ninth fret, it's giving me this real sort of high-pitched, again, you know, different kind of instrumentation, this different tonality that's really kind of neat. Um, so I, it's a lesser reason, but for me, it's, it's a really important reason because I, again, I don't want to lose that integrity just so I can play them as bar chords. 
I want to keep that so I can actually keep that sound going. I always think, I forget how it, pl how, how it goes, but... Right? Like, here comes the sun. I can't remember exactly how it goes. But it's not like the Beatles weren't capable of playing bar chords, or they didn't know their chords. It's that in order to make Here Comes the Sun sound like Here Comes the Sun, it needed to be capoed in a different key for them to sing, but yet be able to play those open chords. So I just kind of always feel compelled to, to de de debunk, if you will, this confusion that people have where the only reason you, you use a capo is because you don't know all your chords or you're too lazy to learn your chords. Maybe you are a beginner and the capo comes in really handy for keeping you on the track and keeping you motivated and learning songs. And I think that's wonderful. But I don't think that's the only reason. I think you use it because you still want to maintain those open chord sounds. You just do it in a different key for whatever reason. I love it. Man, that's three great examples of how to use a capo that I hope opens people's eyes to kind of, you know, something you can use to maintain that integrity and that chord structure or if you're a beginner to not have to learn a bunch of bar chords. And just yeah, or, or you find yourself in a situation where you've learned a song and somebody else has learned the song, but you learn it in two different keys, right? Like the wedding thing is just a prime example because usually everybody is stressed out at the, the morning of a yeah. wedding and then you're trying to get all this stuff put together. And it's not that I don't have the capability of playing it in a different key. Of course I can, and of course I probably have. But the nice thing about the capo is it doesn't, in my brain, it, I don't have to reconfigure everything and then worry about possibly making a mistake because I practiced it that way and now I'm playing it this way, right? I don't want those mistakes to happen. So with the capo, it's very easy just to maintain everything. It doesn't always work out, but some, you know, if it can, it's a really easy way of keeping it. So I don't make a mistake on somebody else's important day, you know? Sure. Even if you're just playing around with, you know, there's a lot of reasons to be able to modulate, uh, you know, to, to basically change keys just to put your doom with a capo. One of them is, as an accompanist, you're actually playing the guitar for somebody else who's singing and you're, you're playing a supporting role. And you, one of your supporting roles is to follow the lead of the singer and the lead of the singer, maybe the singer, like you said, Steve, is not a trained musician. Maybe uh, they sing in the bathroom in the bath uh, tub and they got asked to sing at the wedding. Well, your job is to make them as comfortable as they can possibly be. Cause they're already going to be nervous singing at their friend's wedding. Right. You know, we're we're kind of stuck on this wedding idea, but it could be your kid, you know, your kid might be 10 years old and his voice hasn't changed yet. And so he wants to sing a uh, song and you need to put in a different key that actually matches his voice for that's appropriate for his age. Right. Well, and the thing to remember too, with that is, is that even if you are a professional singer, the voice is the one instrument that can only go so high and so low in a mm. comfortable range. The That's guitar right. can be in any key, you know. I mean, it takes practice and you got to study it, but you can play in any key. But a yeah. singer can only sing so high and so low, in, as, as talented as they are. Not everybody can be, you know, six octave range like uh, Roy Orbison or something like that, whatever mm -hmm. it was that he was. Not everybody can do that. And even if you can, it's not like all those octaves that he would sing were all equally as comfortable. It's just he had the capability. So we are, as guitar players, we always have to be aware of that singer, whether they're 
like Dan said, a novice or whether they're extremely talented, they still only have a, a limited range that's really comfortable for, for them. You were born with that, right? And yes, as 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 guys, our, our voices might change, but then you're still left with whatever limited range that's you have right. after that. So, um, so sometimes we have to readjust for a valid, very valid limitation of a singer. Mm -hmm. And boy, it puts the singer at so much, uh, a much greater, uh, puts them at ease when they know that their range is going to be within something they're comfortable versus them having to sing super low or super high because you forgot your capo or you don't know uh, well, how to use one. <laughs> prime example is my, my daughter and I, like my daughter and I will do shows together. And so we'll pick a bunch of songs that we want to learn and then I'll sit and I'll learn them all, which is a lot of material. And usually they're not just, they're not all just strum songs. I mean, they might have a lot of stuff going on. And then when we get together, the first thing that we have to do is we have to reorganize what keys they all need to be in. So we'll sit and pick one song and I've figured it out in whatever key it's in. I've learned the tune and she's learned the tune, right? But she, it was whatever guy singing it and it doesn't feel comfortable for her. So the first thing we have to do, you know, like I just off the top of my head, I can't remember if it was in at third fret. You know, we would do um, Landslide by Fleetwood Mac, but she does it here. And I know that because we sat and figured it out. I don't want to leave. First of all, it's got a capo anyway, right? And nobody's going to argue that Lindsey Buckingham isn't a talented guitar player, right? He's already using a capo, but the fact that he's using it here for Stevie Nicks, but for my daughter, we had to move it up a little bit to find her vocal range, what was comfortable for her. So now I know it's at the sixth fret because we've done it so many times. Um, you know, just different kinds of songs like that. So, you know, I don't expect my daughter to have to sing it in album key. I need to figure out how to make it so she's comfortable so it matches her voice. So Yeah, it's really cool. Mm -hmm. uh, one difference between the guitar and the, the, the capo really is a nice little shortcut where you can retain the exact chord forms and just move it. Uh, I've, I've actually been in situations with pianists and these people are fascinating to watch where I'm the singer and I'll say, you know, this thing is really low for me, like a church hymn or something, you know, usually sure. or a baritone range and I'm more of a tenor. And uh, I'll say, can you, can you change this? Can you modulate? And nine times out of 10, they can't because with piano, there's no capo. <laughs> you have to be able to look at something and say, I need to move this whole thing up a major third. And so you're still looking at a C, but you're actually the ba bass note may be an E and all the chords are completely different. There is no shortening the strings on a piano, for example. So as a, and those people are, that's actually really hard to do. I don't know if there's pianists watching this that are like shaking. Well, and oftentimes they're, there's oftentimes they're sight reading too, right? That's right. So they, so they have to transpose in their head of what they're seeing, which is just, is just insane. It that's is insane. Why, that's, so why, the, that's why keyboard or piano players now have electronic keyboards where they can just hit a transpose button yeah. and they can do the same thing we do. Yeah, exactly. Transpose. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, guys, this is super cool. Um, anything else you want to add to this, Steve? No, just, just understand how to use the capo and why you'd be using a capo in the first place, whether you're a player, whether you're a teacher, whatever it might be. So, Yeah. I think it is an important skill to learn if you're a 
if you play acoustic and you're going to be playing with other musicians at all, it doesn't have to be necessarily a singer, although it's definitely the most important, uh, probably the most common reason you need to transpose something. Um, guys, I hope you've enjoyed this session. This is the Acoustic Guitar Workshop. And um, please hit the old subscribe and notify button if you want to get notification of the next one we do. We're going to be doing several of these for you. They'll be available for you on the playlist. If you're just joining us, we've been talking about using a capo. You can uh, go back and watch this on the YouTube channel. If you want to go deep into your acoustic guitar, you want to learn everything A to Z, capo, strumming, chords, chord progressions, licks, the whole nine yards, Steve has a new course. It's called Acoustic Guitar by Steve Stein. It's available for you at guitarzoom.com. Thanks for being here, guys. We really appreciate you. Steve, thank you, my friend. I really appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you very much, guys. And I'll talk to you all soon. Okay, guys. See ya. Next time on the Steve Stein Guitar Podcast. So what we're going to do is we're just going to start uh, relatively easy. And again, easy is a relative term, but we're going to start with just a few chords, uh, fairly straightforward songs, and then we're going to just keep kind of bumping it up from there. Cool. So if you're kind of new to playing songs, what I always like to do is I like to start off, you know, like using chords that you use all the time. So we're going to be looking at the G, the C, and the D chords, okay? And it doesn't matter whether you play your G like this or three finger, you know, whatever's comfortable for you. If you play your C this way or this way, you know, again, whatever works for you. So right now the, the goal isn't to stress about whether or not you're playing your chords the same way I am. It's just understand that however you play G, however you play C, however you play D is perfectly fine. Hey, Steve Stein here from guitarzoom.com. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, can I ask you a favor? Please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with a friend. Your feedback means more to me than you'll ever know. And be sure to check out my YouTube channels where you'll find over 1,000 videos to help you with your guitar playing. Thanks again for listening. Stay positive, keep playing, and keep having fun. If you'd like some help with your guitar playing but you're not sure how to get started, go to guitarzoom.com and look for the Help Me Choose survey. By answering a few simple questions, you'll get Steve's personal recommendation of the perfect course for you. All this and more is available for you at guitarzoom.com.